welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parsha Pinhas and uh, we see that the Haftarah of this week of Parsha Pinhas, which is read actually um, when, the, when the three weeks between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av come in, is actually read always on Parasha Pinhas. It's the opening book of the prophet Yirmiyahu or Jeremiah, as he's well known. And there's a connection between Pinhas and the actions in this parasha and Yirmiyahu's prophecy on uh, in the Haftarah. So we'll see that um, that these two, the Haftarah and the and the and the, and the I'm sorry, and the parasha are very much connected. Uh, the Haftarah is the prophecies of our prophets, which are read always on Shabbat day, on, on Saturday. After the reading of the Torah, they read the, the Haftarah of the week. So this week we will be beginning the, the book of Jeremiah. And, uh, and this book, uh, this Haftarah, uh, uh, includes his prophetic vision of the almond tree which ripens in 21 days and these 21 days correspond to the three weeks of mourning uh, and yearning for the destruction of our two temples one which was destroyed by the roman the Babylon, babylonians the first temple and the second temple was destroyed by the romans and uh, so these 21 days correspond to these three weeks of mourning so we see that the book of Yirmiyahu or Jeremiah introduces the prophet Yirmiyahu and his project to inspire the Jewish people to repent. By conjuring up scenes of the future destruction of Jerusalem and the Holy Temple. So he is not living in the times of the destruction. This is much uh, before the destruction of the temple. And he is telling the people that if they don't repent, the, the temples are going to be destroyed and he's trying to bring change in the people and trying to make them um, uh, do Teshuvah. By contrast, the prophet Yeshayahu exhorted the people to repent by envisioning the future redemption. So we see that the, the difference between these two prophets is only in the times in which they lived. Um, Yeshayahu lived during a time when the temple stood and divine providence was rampant in, uh, in the world and uh, it was common, it was common to see Ashkahapratis, it was coming to see the divine presence when the temples stood, but Yirmiyahu, he lived through the destruction of Jerusalem and a time of darkness and concealment. So a similar distinction can be drawn between Pinhas and Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, Moshe often intervened on behalf of the Jewish people, but he did so invo invoking divine mercy. Moshe was the most merciful, humblest human being there ever was. Uh, he was always trying to save the Jewish people from their boo-boos, uh, trying to inspire divine mercy to forgive the, the Jews for everything they did. And Pinhas, on the other hand, he was more Gebura, he was more strictness, and, uh, and he, and he uh, created a, a situation in which he acted in a zealot way, um, 
In this parasha, we see how he killed Simri. Simri was a, a prince of the tribe of Shimon who had engaged in illicit relationships with a, um, a Moabite princess, uh, Cosby, and uh, they were like doing their thing in front of everybody with no shame. And at that moment, uh, Moshe and the elders and the prophets, nobody knew what to do with them. They forgot the alaha, they forgot the Jewish law of what you do with this type of people. And at that moment, Pinchas came in and he, with his sword, he just killed them both in the act, in a zealot way. And because of this, Hashem promised him the priesthood. He, he made him into a priest, a Kohen. And so Pinchas and Yirmiyahu both focus on communicating with the people and inspiring them in the midst of darkness. So he was not this person that was gonna pray to Hashem, please have mercy on these people. You know, this was not his way. His way was like there's something very wrong going on and there has to be something done about it. You cannot just let it be. So when God threatened to destroy the Jewish people after the sin of the golden calf, which actually we were uh, fasting on Sunday because of this first sin, which was the 17th of Tammuz, which actually it fell on Shabbat, but we fasted one day after because we don't fast on Shabbat unless it's uh, Yom Kippur. Uh, we see that the, till today we're still uh, paying for this, uh, this uh, sin that was committed against Hashem. Uh, so we see that after the sin of the golden calf, Moshe prayed to God, asking him to exercise his divine mercy on the Jewish people. And it was so much more. Hashem told him, you know what? Let's erase all these people and let's start all over again. Let's do a new Torah and let's have a new people. And Moshe said, no way. If you're going to erase these people, you have to erase me too because I don't want to be part, I don't want to have a part in your book. So when the Jewish people were dying from the plague due to these uh, um, acts of the Jewish men in the camp with the Moabite women, that they were acting in a very uh, denigrating way in their sexual uh, denigration, uh, we see that the only thing that stopped the, the Jewish people, the, the 24,000 men died because of this from a plague, the only thing that really stopped this plague from, from taking more people was that Ping has intervened killing Simri, which was a rebellious uh, leader of the Jews. And the moment that he killed him, this um, plague stopped. So God proclaimed that Ping has turned my anger away from the children of Israel by zealously avenging me among them, so that I did not destroy the children of Israel. And God rewarded Pinhas and his descendants with an eternal covenant of priesthood. Up till now, the priesthood was uh, Aaron HaKohen and his, and his two sons. Uh, anybody that was born after the priesthood was given, before that priesthood was given, uh, were not part of being a part of this uh, priesthood. Uh, it had to come from these two sons. So here we see that at that moment in which Pinhas acted in such a zealous way, Hashem made him into a Kohen for eternity. So in contrast, Moshe did not marry to have his children succeed him. We don't see that uh, Moshe's children continued his legacy. 
uh, Moshe Rabbeinu gave his mantle of kingship to uh, Yehoshua ben Nun, who was not his son. And so we see that Pinhas' actions warranted a, co a covenant that was eternal, a covenant of peace, while Moshe's intervention did not. So we see in this uh, duality of Moshe and Pinhas of why Pinhas it continued, his legacy continued through his children, while Moshe's legacy did not continue through his children. And the difference lies in their perspective modes of divine service. And so Moshe worked to channel divine light into the world. His whole uh, approach was to bring divine light into the world uh, for himself and the people. And this was part of his character traits. This was part of his personality. And so he always was praying to God that he should remove evil decrees from the Jewish people. He was always crying for them. He was always atoning for them. And the drawback of this intervention is that when divine light overwhelms humanity, it does not bring an instinct, intrinsic change in the unrefined human character. So there's a concept that you have <clears throat> a waters, the feminine waters and the masculine waters. And the feminine waters are the waters that elicit uh, God's mercy and God's blessings from us. When we work on ourselves, when we transform ourselves, when we turn around the darkness that is around us into light, then we will bring down this uh, masculine water, which will be, comes from God, but it's created by us and it's eternal. But when Hashem is sending gifts to us and he's doing kindness to us without us being uh, involved in bringing this kindness to our lives, then yes, maybe for a moment you have an aha moment of inspiration and maybe you have a moment in which um, you connect to God, but when you don't work for it, then it's, it's going to go away like this. It's a gift he gives you in a moment to arousing you uh, the, the need or the want, the will, the desire to be connected to God. But if you don't act on it immediately, it's going to fade away. I've seen it countless of times. Uh, once we were in Israel, we had rented this apartment in front of the Kotel, and uh, there's this man there that he's always looking for people to put them in houses to experience a Shabbat dinner, a Shabbat lunch. And he would bring to us all types of backpackers that were coming to Israel, kids that were not connected to their, to their roots. Uh, and many of them, when they came to the Kotel, they couldn't stop crying. Like suddenly there was this flash of inspiration. There was this like connection that they felt. And, uh, and they were very moved. And I remember once this boy came to us, he came to talk to us and he said, can I talk to you? He sent, this guy sent me to talk to you. I'm from Miami, I'm from Florida. I grew up in a non-observant home. I went to a public school. I've never had, uh, apart from Sunday school, I've never had any connection to, uh, to the Torah and the mitzvot in such a real way. And when I came here to the Kotel, I, I don't know what happened to me. I couldn't stop crying. I can't stop crying since I arrived. And there's something inside of me that, that is moving. And I don't know even how to explain it. The question is, when I come back, 
how in the world am I gonna be able to keep this going on? And so my husband said to him, you know, once you go back home, you have to make a change in your life. You cannot keep living the life you have been living till now. You have to see what you're gonna do. You have to start going to shul. You're gonna have to start eating kosher. You're gonna start have to have to start learning Torah. You have to make a drastic change in order that you will be able to keep this gift that God just gave you. But if you go back to your old life with your old friends, your old uh, ways, then this gift that he just gave you is gonna disappear just as it came, it's gonna be gone. And so this is what this, this Siha of the Rebbe is trying to explain to us, is that, Hash, that Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to transmit to the Jewish people, as sad as it can be, that eternal, uh, unwavering connection to God. And we see it through history that the Jewish people had moments in which they were idol worshiping again and doing things they shouldn't have done. And it was because he gave them that, that tasting, he gave them that moment of inspiration, but the Jewish people didn't really work on it, on themselves to be able to contain it and grab it and have it forever. And so we see that that elevation is really temporary, and when the inspiration leaves, the world reverts to its previous state, it's like nothing happened, and Moshe's intervention did not have an ever everlasting effects on the Jewish people. Pinhas, on the other way, and if you read the parasha, it's between parasha, the end of parasha Balak last week, and this parasha, his selflessness and the way he acted, it can be very uh, shocking to us that he was, he, he, he acted in a very uh, savage way, but at the end of the day, he was selled. He was a selled. He was beyond himself. How can people be acting this way? How can people be doing this to God? How can people be, uh, you know, being immoral in such a way uh, when we're just ready to go into the land of Israel and we have gone through so much, 40 years in the desert, so many miracles, and suddenly look how they behave. And so we see that Pinhas worked with the people from within their place of confusion and sin, and literally he he helped them wrestle with the with the with that darkness, and he was able to redeem them because they 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 had to work through it. They had to really work and see like what we're doing is really not good. We really need to change, and that change that he created through that selled act became permanent. And Pinhas earned an everlasting covenant of peace because his efforts elicited real change within the people. So even though his act was not a peaceful act, the effect of that act was peaceful. So does Yirmiyahu prophecies of destruction complement Parashas Pinhas, for they both evoke our capacity to redeem ourselves from within our state of exile. More specifically, the opening verse of the Haftarah encourages us to view ourselves as being capable of transforming our darkness, even if we are doubtful of our abilities. So we can never doubt that we can change. And you know what? I never give up on anybody, on anybody. You, you see a person, he's in the lowest of the lowest, and you think, wow, how could this person ever fall to this degree of, of lowliness in life? 
and um, but you don't give up on people because at the end of the day, if they have a, a, an inspiration and they use it to transform their, their dark side into light, they're able to come out of it completely transformed. I've seen it also. I've seen people that you would not give two minutes to these people. You wouldn't give one cent to these people. You would never make a bet on them. And suddenly you see them and they become superstars. They rise up above everything. So even though we feel as he says, Yirmiyahu, I know not to speak for I am a youth. God assures us that he says again, when I had not yet formed you in, your, in, your, in the womb, I knew you and when you had not yet emerged from the womb, I had appointed you a prophet to the nations. I made you, meaning we're born with, divine, with the divine ability to overcome any opposition. Any challenge you have in your life, anything that comes your way, you have the ability to overcome it. Don't ever doubt that. You can always overcome it because Hashem would never send to you something that you cannot handle. It, it, it cannot be. If you're going through whatever you're going through, and a lot of people are going through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, the, what this parasha and this haftarah really come to teach us is that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that Hashem is not trying to, to drown you. He's not trying to finish you off. He's just planting you so you can flourish and you can come out. As that saying says, we, when we thought they had planted us, we were sprouting. So out of the deepest darkness, out of the deepest confusions, come, comes the greatest light. So therefore, Yirmiyahu says, Fear them not, for I am with you to save you. God is with the Jewish people every step of the way, empowering us to transform our own darkness into light of redemption. So this, this Haftarah really is talking about the redemption, the exile, uh, darkness, and how to turn it into light. And when we are zealot with God, when we protect Hashem, when we are beyond ourselves when we see things in the world that are going on that are so against God and we, we, we act upon them, um, then we will be able to not only transform ourselves but transform everything around us. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.